0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Behind the Scenes Podcast. I'm Jeremy.
1: And I'm Audrey.
0: And on this podcast, we share the messy, honest, unfiltered, and not so curated parts of our life.
1: Think of this podcast as a bunch of bloopers with some truth bombs sprinkled throughout.
0: That's right. We're going to be taking you behind the scenes of our daily routines, our social media feeds, and what you may or may not have seen on TV.
1: We're going to be talking relationships, family, faith, business, basically whatever we are learning about, fighting about, or laughing about lately.
0: We're going to be sharing our daily life, our struggles, successes, and our roses and thorns from each week.
1: And we don't want this podcast to just be about us. So we're also going to go behind the scenes with some of the people who inspire us the most.
0: We hope this podcast feels like you're joining us for a campfire.
1: Come hang out.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Scenes Podcast. Another episode and another interview. Uh, We're really glad you guys are here because this one is going to be one you're not going to want to miss. We are sitting down with Dr. Emerson Egrich. And... This was an amazing, amazing conversation. Dr. Emerson has his PhD in Child and Family Studies at Michigan State University. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller book, Love and Respect. He's authored several other books on this topic. And he and his wife, Sarah, now travel around hosting conferences discussing love and respect and just how influential this concept and this understanding um, is and will be to, to us all. So we're really excited to dive in. But before we do, Audrey is going to update you guys on something on our end, babe.
1: Just wanted to let you guys know, in case you haven't seen yet, that we released the Love More sweatshirt that many of you guys had asked about um, in the pod, on the podcast, Instagram, or just on our personal Everywhere. accounts. Uh, <laughs> you've seen them probably on Jeremy and I. We wore them a lot while we were on tour and leading up to book release, and um due to popular demand, decided to make them available to you. So if you want to grab one of those, you can go to alwaysmore.com and grab yourself a Love More sweatshirt that is inspired by our book, A Love Letter Life. They're super, super soft and cozy. Very and they just say Love unisex, More unisex in the sizing. typewriter font from the book in w- embroidered on the front. Um, yes, they're unisex sizing. And we know that you guys love it. And it's
0: a message I think everyone can get behind. I think we all need to love a little more. So here's our conversation with Emerson Egrich. All right,
2: Emerson Egrich,
0: such a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Jeremy, thank you, and uh, Audrey. I've been looking forward to it, and uh, I'm honored to be invited. Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. It's our honor. So <laughs> it's our honor for sure. <laughs> We're excited to have you on here and um, talk about marriage and relationships.
0: Yeah, we, we actually got the pleasure to meet you um, at the the intentional family conference. That was just a couple months ago. Yes.
1: Yes, and since then, Jeremy have Jeremy and I have stolen heated fellowship, <laughs> and we refer to that term often in our marriage. <laughs> And on our podcast, yeah, <laughs> and we always give you credit. But um, so in case well, you I see that floating out it. in the interwebs,
2: <laughs> yeah, and I didn't come up with that. Somebody said it years ago, and Sarah said, and uh, my wife, uh, who we've been married since 1973, we said heated fellowship. That captures it. It's so funny, it totally does, it's, and it frames it in a very appropriate way. You know, yeah, like, yes, yes, exactly. it, it acknowledges the problem, but it reminds us that we're friends. Yes, yep, yes,
1: working towards a solution.
0: Yeah, we love that. So. Uh, as we dive in, you want to just kind of give us, um, tell us who you are, let our listeners know where you live, what you do, and, uh, tell us a little bit about how long you've been married and, and all the things. Give us the sparks notes on
2: Emerson and Sarah Egrich. No, thank you for the question. Um, as I mentioned, Sarah and I have been married since 1973. We have three adult children, uh, Joy, who used to work for our ministry, which is called Love and Respect, uh, marriage conferences and ministries, and, uh, she was overseeing our live conferences for many years. She's now living in Paris, France, but started Love and Respect now for her millennial generation. Mm-hmm. Jonathan is a clinical psychologist who works for Love and Respect. He's kind of my right-hand man. And then David has his own video company and does all of our video presentations as well. So we're very <laughs> yeah. grateful for their involvement, family their team. belief in this. <laughs> and I wrote a book on the family called Love and Respect in the Family, and I waited on that until they were all adults so that they could tell me how horrible I was. (laughs) uh, We uh, have their testimony in that book. But the primary focus has been on marriage. I pastored for nearly 20 years, studied the Bible 30 hours a week, but also have my PhD in child and family uh, studies. And I saw some things in the social sciences. I saw some things in scripture that converged. And uh, when I saw it, it was something I shared with about 40 different people that were in ministry. And they wrote back, and said, "You've got to get this message out there." Mm, yeah. And uh, we did, and uh, we were on a radio program uh, and presented this, and they had ninety thousand responses within a half wow. hour to an hour. Wow! wow. And, uh, that was <sighs> back in two thousand three, and that's when this thing really launched in a very major way. Wow! wow. Praise
1: the Lord! That's amazing. <laughs> that so is so great. this
2: is kind of, and you guys are in are in Grand Rapids,
0: Michigan, yes. Yes, exactly. West Michigan, beautiful Michigan.
2: Yeah. So this is kind of like a family team.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love that all your kids are part of it.
2: No, it's uh, been something that has been very uh, important and and humbling to me and very exciting. Yeah, we are uh, grateful uh, for their belief in this. And certainly, um, you know, your generation, uh, I think, is um, very responsive. No one wants to, as I say, you know, when Sarah and I first met, many, many years ago, I didn't say to Sarah, you know, I I hate you and you hate me, so so let's get married. You know, it doesn't go down that way. So how is it that two people of goodwill get into a relationship, and then at a certain point it seems to get derailed? What is it that's going on there, and why does that happen, and how do we deal with that? Because it saddens us, Hmm. had such high expectations, such longings, and then come these moments, and you address that very powerfully in your a love letter life, and uh, it is a, a very transparent portrayal of uh, just reality. This yeah. is what happens, and how do we step through that in wisdom? How do we deal with these issues? And I think, as we all know, we have a Hollywood view rather than mm-hmm. a Holy Word view. Yeah, sometimes of yeah. the Amen. of the of the marriage. And so, if you have a 99% expectation, when really it's kind of an 80-20 ratio where 80% is wonderful, but 20% is going to have some challenges. (laughs) But if if we have a 99% expectation, that 19% difference, that discrepancy is going to disillusion us and embitter us. So how do we deal with those moments? And you uh, have been very impressive to me in this book that you've written, uh, just stepping through these issues in a very candid way and came to real wise solutions. And I'm very impressed. Well, Emerson,
0: thank
1: you. That means a ton, seriously. Yeah,
0: that's an honor to hear. And and, I mean, I think not just us, but our culture, or sorry, like our generation rather. Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's, I sense this returning to the principle to the meaning and to the reality of like what marriage is for because the reason a lot of folks have gotten into it isn't panning out and i think we're starting to Mm -hmm. analyze that data and visualize it but we're coming up with two different results there's some people that are deciding to like press in and figure this out and then there's the other people that are like well maybe that's not maybe it's a social construct and it's not for me Mm -hmm. and kind of getting rid of it altogether. and so we praise the lord like you know he's been so faithful in bringing people around us and, uh, yeah. just mentors and honestly, just a heart bent towards him. It's, I love that line by C.S. Lewis, you know, the hound of heaven is after your heart and I doubt you'll get away. And, uh, I feel that I feel like the hound mm-hmm. of heaven is after
2: my heart for sure. <laughs> um, and that's well, and you, you both convey that so, uh, humbly. And I think, um, candidly you didn't, um, pull any punches in the sense of, you know, you didn't hold back, and I think. That yeah. authenticity is very refreshing and I think um, very practical. It wasn't pie in the sky. It was here's <laughs> yeah. what we did. Here's yeah. how we stepped through that. And here's what it takes to make for a meaningful relationship. And, and yeah. um, my hope is that your peers will get very excited about this because I certainly have a great enthusiasm for the message. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, but <laughs> as I was reading through it. I'm thinking this is very exciting. Goodness. Wow! That's, wow! Well, thank you so much, Emerson.
0: Honestly, that's that's, an honor. that's yeah. an honor, and that's that that's our hope as well that people just feel uplifted and encouraged mm. through it. So, um, it was a fu- it was a fun. I feel like we're kind of embarking similarly on a journey of kind of the pursuit of marriage and how powerful it can be, not just to affect our life but culture at large. Um, in your words, Emerson. Um, marriage, you know, like, w- what is it? And what are we, what is its purpose? What are we kind of doing with it? Um, and I kind of want to back out, get the 30,000 foot view before we dive into kind of your, you know, love and respect and, and all the information you can offer there. But as far as marriage as a, you know, as a thing,
2: what is it? <laughs> as a thing, right, yes. Right, right. Well, I think, yeah, I think the backstory and why this is an important question and why it's important for me to respond when I was very little, I saw my dad attempt to strangle my mother to death. Mm -hmm. And so that created um, some emotional wounds that I had to work through. We were not Christ followers. We were not a Christian family. And so early on, I have an older sister, five years older, um, that episode, plus my dad's rage issues, uh, there were a whole lot of things he committed adultery that I learned about when I was 11. And it created a trauma Uh, in our family. Hmm. Uh, He was not an evil-willed man, but he had these moments of, you know, loss of uh, emotional control and rage. So mom separated for five years physically in that sense. And so uh, she got out of harm's way. It wasn't, you know, life-threatening, but it was a prudent thing to do. Hmm. Um, And then I was eventually sent to a military school for five years. From age 13 to 18, I went off to Missouri Military Academy. And when I was 16, that's when I heard the message that God was there and that Christ had died for me and that he mm. loved me. And and uh, I changed, went to Wheaton. But my freshman year at Wheaton, my mom came to Christ, my dad came to Christ, oh, my wow. sister came to Christ, and my f- uh, brother-in-law, who's a professor, came to Christ. Our whole family changed. So the story ended quite well. But in terms of me processing the question you're asking, what's the purpose of marriage? I mean, I could instinctively— Feel and and figure out that my mom and dad were not doing marriage the way I, as a little kid, thought, you know, this shouldn't be too hard to figure out. I could even see some things here. But one of the things that I saw, apart from giving the definition of marriage, is what I call the crazy cycle. Mm. And this is based on both the best research that's out there plus uh, what the Bible says. But the University of Washington studied 2,000 couples for 20 years. And they said, we now know the two key ingredients for successful marriages and they said it's love and respect hmm. and in a sense that's not rocket science we all kind of instinctively know but it, it begs the question what is love what is respect but what they also did is they teased it out and realized there are male and female differences for instance 85 percent of those who stonewall yeah in a conflict is the male he shuts down he withdraws drop it forget it i don't want to talk about it yeah 85 percent yeah that's not stereotyping I, that's not I'm, that's
1: enough to get i'm 100
2: yeah. percent of right. that 85 <laughs> percent. yeah yeah no i mean you can relate with it as most of us do it, yeah. it's not a dogmatic absolute yeah. it's a bell curve but for sure if that's the case then why is he doing that and then mm-hmm. on the flip side they found most women move toward the husband and they criticize and complain and uh they don't intend to do that to show contempt but that's how he feels she actually does it because she cares and mm-hmm. he doesn't withdraw because of hostility, but because he's an honorable man to calm down mm-hmm. and to uh, the heartbeats are they're measured at 99 beats per minute. So he's in what they call warrior mode and he has yeah. to calm down physiologically. Yeah. OK, yeah. now that gives a little taste of a point I want to make that there are these pink and blue differences during conflict. And one of the challenge for us as a g- younger generation or older is because we're equal doesn't mean we're the same. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's very important for us to then say, "Okay, why is my spouse negatively reacting to me at this time? Is it because he's unloving or is he trying to do the honorable thing? Is she really a contemptuous person or is she trying to do the caring thing? Yeah. And that's an issue that we can talk about. But here's what I discovered. When a wife feels unloved. She tends to react in a way that feels disrespectful to her husband. Hmm. She's not intending to do that, but that's how she appears to him. Talk to me. Talk to me now. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Don't walk off. Come here. Right. And at the same time, when a husband feels disrespected, he ends up reacting in a way that feels unloving. But he's not. He's not trying to be unloving. He'd die for her if she doesn't kill him first. right? Yeah. yeah. But this gave birth then to what I call the crazy cycle. Yeah. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he. Re- and this baby starts to spin. And that day yeah. on that radio. 90,000 people responded so quickly because they realized this captures the majority of our experience (laughs) and help, help, how do we get off the crazy cycle?
1: Yes. So how do do you get off the crazy cycle?
2: That's my next question. How do you get off the crazy cycle? Like what's the... Well, first of all, does it make sense what I just said? Those of you who are listening, even what do you think your listening audience is feeling? You have both people who are in church, but you also have people Mm -hmm. like me who are unchurched. What do you think they're hearing at that point? I mean
1: I think I, that's resonating for most people, like yes. you said, especially going off of the statistics that you mentioned earlier, just with the percentages. I'd say most people, you know, are resonating with that. They're in some form of that cycle. Yeah. And they don't know how to get off of it. But most of them don't even recognize that they're in that cycle because like you said, Emerson, they think they're doing the loving and respectful thing, you know?
2: Bingo. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's why we have to come to a point where we ask, Am I married to Hitler's distant cousin? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And and if I'm not, then I have to somehow decode that she's really not trying to diss me. Yeah. She's really crying out because she has a need that only I can meet. And it's not a complaint. It's a compliment. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. And so, too, he's not trying to be unloving because he would die for you, literally. In fact, one guy said to his wife, I love you so much, I would die for you. And she said, oh, Harry, you keep saying that, but you never do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so but nonetheless king would die for her but it feels to her that you know he's not loving because she could not imagine shutting down at a moment like that and walking off it's beyond the scope of her comprehension as a woman who wants to be intimate and connect emotionally so now you have this honest misunderstanding and this is one of my main points that i make that most couples get derailed because of a Honest misunderstanding. Mm. And we start spinning on this thing because we're actually trying to do the loving thing that appears disrespectful. We're trying to do the honorable thing even more that appears even more unloving. And this thing gets out of control at times and we scratch our head and think, this took off in all of five minutes, and we were both happy. Everything was wonderful. And then whammo the crazy (laughs) cycle. Holy smokes. This is so real. This is so good.
0: So absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm listening to this and I'm think I'm trying to like and i think our listeners are doing this as well like whoa like when does this happen to me and, and how what's mm-hmm. this what does this process look like in my life so i f- i feel like there's two things that kind of needs to happen and it's probably a little bit of both but it's like do i need to do the quote unquote loving thing differently or does audrey need to receive my signs
2: of love differently excellent question Excellent question. I have no idea. Yeah, (laughs) no, 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 we'll we'll address that. So I wrote those two questions down and that nails that I want to insert just for those who might be listening. uh, And the woman says, but I need R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I need Mm -hmm. respect, Emerson. I need respect. Yeah. And uh, we fully affirm that we've asked uh, 7,000 people this question. When you're in a conflict with your spouse or significant other, do you feel in love at that moment or disrespected? Yeah, eighty three percent of the men said they feel disrespected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that means seventeen percent feel unloved. Yeah, he uh, had seventy two percent of the women say they felt unloved. That means twenty eight percent of the women say they feel disrespected. And here's the deal: there are many times Sarah feels disrespected, but yeah. partly the reason for that is she's assured of my love, and mm-hmm. and so oh, too. And, that's and- good. Okay, so to, and it and it usually is restricted to you know she feels I'm dismissing her opinion you know that you know I'm I've got an attitude you know she she knows I love her but she's feeling disrespected but this but she then will come back and say if you keep treating me disrespectfully how can you tell me that you love me right <laughs> whereas on the other side if and this is why men respond too he he can know that he knows you he say hey Harry yeah does your wife love you oh yeah. Does she like you? <laughs> no, not today. You know, mm. there is a sense <laughs> that she loves me, but she doesn't respect me. But here's something that's very intriguing, and it's, it's different in the male and female. She'll eventually, if she's feeling disrespected, say, how can you tell me you love me and keep treating me disrespectfully? Because mm. at the core is this love component. Now, when you keep treating a man disrespectfully, he'll say I don't deserve this disrespect. Everybody respects me but you. He lands on the respect issue. Why? Most often because women love to love. It's within her nature to nurture. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Very few men call into question the love of this woman and it could in fact be an insult to her if he <laughs> says you don't love me and she's looking it, it would be in di- she'd be in disbelief yeah, and a bit yeah. upset by that kind of characterization. But he doesn't believe that she's unloving. But so then the question is well if I love him, isn't that enough? Well, Shawnee Feldhahn did a random sample of the American male, a decision analyst out of Houston, secular group, and they ran it twice because the findings blew them away. But Shawnee called me and she said, hey, I'd like to ask this question. You think I should? And the question was this. Would you rather uh, of these four? It would be it was going to be 400 American males, not church males. And it was a, almost a pure exact representation of the American male. I mean, it was well done. Yeah. And the, one of the questions was, would you men rather be left alone? And unloved in the world, or be viewed as inadequate and disrespected by everyone. Again, mm. would you men rather be left alone and unloved in the world or be viewed as inadequate and disrespected by oh. everyone? I mean Yeah, I mean yeah. Three, three three quarters of the American men said I'd rather be left alone and unloved in yep. the world. now that's in shawty said as a woman that's incomprehensible to me but then now now we have to now we have to find out okay what what does that mean well it means that men are narcissistic (laughs) see that's that's the profiling that the culture Mm -hmm. of intimacy the pink culture is is putting on to our our sons and -hmm. what we have to back up and say i think there are percentage out there that are narcissistic but how can you call a man narcissistic who literally gives his life All these toxic masculine acts of, you know, shootings and it was the men throwing themselves on their girlfriends and wives, taking the bullet and dying. Right. Yeah. There is this impulse within the male to die. That's not narcissism. So now the question really is this. The man that you're married to, is he narcissistic for feeling very vulnerable to the view that you see him as inadequate and don't respect him? Is he narcissistic or does he have a need that God designed within him that only you can meet? And it's not respecting bad behavior. Very important that everyone listen to me. We're not talking about respecting bad behavior any more than we're talking about loving bad behavior in a wife. We're talking about an unconditional positive regard toward the spirit of that man while you're confronting things that are not respected respectable. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, too, I lovingly bring up every once in a while, maybe in once in 40 years with Sarah once, that maybe yeah. she did something that wasn't lovable. But if I did, I got to make sure that my demeanor is loving as I'm addressing the thing that's unlovable. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Wait, wait, yep. wait. wait. Say, say that again, Emerson? that unconditional love means that I'm going to communicate lovingly about things that are unlovable. Yeah, yes, yes. It's it's about who I am as a person, not about who your spouse fails to be as a person. And this is where people get confused when we talk about respecting a man. And this is why I'm inserting this. We're not talking about respecting behavior that's not respectable. Mm -hmm. We're talking Mm -hmm. about respectfully with an attitude of respect and dignity confronting that. It's not easy. But if you show contempt, here's the deal. If yeah. you show contempt toward the spirit of your husband when you're trying to address issues, it is going to be as effective as him coming at you with harshness and anger and hostility and expecting you to open your heart to him <laughs> or to be sexually intimate with him. Yeah. So good. There is a Wisdom lot. Bombs. <laughs> well, there is a lot to unpack there. Yeah. That's... Um,
0: that is yeah, that is just... I mean, tr- I'm sure everyone listening truth. is just like um, mind
1: blown, need to repeat.
0: Well, yeah, backwards, 15 seconds, 35 sec, 48 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> um, Emerson, so I'm just, oh, I'm processing, but I'm listening to this and I'm going, okay, so that, yes, like I'm nodding my head. Absolutely, that makes sense. I've done that. Yes, that's how I react. I would have fallen in the larger percentage of every one of those categories that you that you suggested so how what is
2: like the approach i guess um mm-hmm. in and what do you do which is what you asked before is should you do something differently or should you expect you, audrey to receive yes. you you differently right those are your two questions yes mm. yeah and yeah. i think both are the it's, questions in it both hands. Yeah. yeah and part of it you know people say well who's the one that moves first and mm. I remember praying about that, and I said, the one who sees himself or herself as the most mature moves first. Yeah. Interesting. You know? Okay, so that's kind of like, and this is, this
0: is our next question, you know, we, I want to ask you about conflict, because a lot of this is an overflow or uh, a predicator to conflict, right? Is the, the us missing the mark on the love and re- respect thing, um, because that's such a DNA-wired reality of the world we live in. Um so Audrey and I, like we, we have this thing and our premarital counselor has been doing it for a long, long time. But anyways, when we, when we sense heat, the temperature rising in the space of the car or, you know, across the bedroom, we'll try to touch each other. Usually it's holding each other's hand. It's just some way that we diffuse. We try to diffuse the bomb. And in our book, we have this whole code of conflict because the idea is we're never getting away from conflict. So if we can't get away from it, how do we tackle it well? And I want to ask you about that. Um, how, like, do you have any good ways or something you want to give us or the listeners of like tactics to help handle this conflict when yeah. it arises? Because I do agree. I think, you know, for us pressing into the Lord, pressing into Jesus, knowing the scriptures, knowing the word, there will be an overflow of his goodness that comes out. So when my buttons get pushed, I will tend my heart's will and desire will tend to bend towards humility, but that's only if I'm pouring his humility into me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but outside of that, what are some practical ways to kind of address this, uh, this, you know, this conflict that arises when we miss the mark on love and respect?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's an excellent question. And I want to continue on with the two questions. Okay. Not yeah. only is the mature one, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it, we we often, uh, I often ask the question, have you had a conflict with your spouse when suddenly the issue didn't seem to be the issue and Absolutely. you saw their spirit yeah. deflate? Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, good grief. Now what did I say? Oh, brothers! Oh, now, oh, oh, oh. We have this tendency when we see their spirit to deflate to dismiss them as childish because we're in disbelief that they would be upset over something that we think is so yeah. minor. Right. And so, so then I always at our conference, I point out the fact that we, you know, it's not trying to say that they're childish, but we kind of feel like, come on, you know i i you you you're reacting to something that's no Absolutely. big deal and that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be shutting down like this well if in fact then i see my spouse as the childish one that must mean i see myself as the mm. mature one and therefore <laughs> i'm the one that's responsible to move first so i always kind of trick this into edge, yeah. But but, but to your point about <laughs> what, what do I do at that moment, you know, and when we have this heated fellowship or when the temperature is rising in the room and we're, we're uh, we obviously know how to step on each other's, you know, air hoses. I say she needs love like she needs air to breathe. And she has this air tank, love tank connected by an air hose. <laughs> and we step on it and she deflates. And he has this respect tank and he needs that unconditional respect for who he is as a human being created in the image yeah. of God. He doesn't respond well to the look of contempt that says I despise who you are as a person right now in order to motivate you to love me. Yeah, yeah it doesn't we make do sense. We do exact opposite it, it to
1: what we should
2: do. That's right. So at that moment where now we're spinning on this crazy cycle, we need to recognize that I am an honorable man but I'm probably going to react in a way that feels unloving to Sarah Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to calm myself down 99 beats per minute. I'm in warrior mode and I physiologically have to shut down. That's what you and I, if we were best buddies since boyhood um, uh, we Jeremy would at a certain point get really upset with each other and we're going to start fisting each other and we decide, you know what, I'm not going to fight with you. And so we say drop and forget it. And we walk off because we have to physiologically calm down. Now, whether we're conscious that, What's going on there is that this is going to lead to physical harm potentially, or whether we are or aren't, we instinctively know. So we're actually doing the honorable thing because we say the relationship with you is more important than this stupid issue we're talking about. And I don't find that issue that important. You're more important. So I'm exiting. Oh my gosh. But that doesn't work when you're dealing with (laughs) a A woman woman (laughs) with a woman. (laughs) It, okay. deals, it deals perfectly in our world as men yes. of honor. So one of the things that we have to do in the case, like, let's take uh, Audrey as the more mature one. At a certain point, if it gets really heated and you're sensing, man, I, I, she's pushing me. You know, she's not intended. She's actually trying to connect because if we just said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? She'll melt instantly. But we're not ready to say that, particularly if we felt we were trying to do the honorable thing. And she's claiming I'm unloving. Why should I apologize for something that's not true? I'm not going to do that. So now we're at a standstill. So what do we do? Part of what we can do on the woman's side is to realize you and Sarah would say it. She could tell when physiologically she had pushed me too far. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I was not a loving or honorable man. It was because physiologically something was happening. Mm. So part of the challenge, Audrey might say, um, Jeremy, do you need 15 minutes just to be by yourself? Now, that is that is torture to a woman. And there's some (laughs) women out there who are saying there's no way I'm going to do that. He needs to be what? Just the equal with you and therefore the same as Mm -hmm. you? Or do you need to give him the benefit of the doubt that he has a vulnerability at this moment where you don't as a woman? And you have to trust me here that he he could walk away and never come back. But we're saying we put a boundary on it. 15 minutes, calm down, and then come back and talk for 15 minutes, not for 15 hours. Yes. So one of the rules of engagement, and I like your code of conduct in your book, that you make a commitment. We're going to talk about one thing. That's upsetting me most here for 15 minutes. And if we don't get it resolved, that's okay. We've got tomorrow to revisit this, but usually you can address it. Most people can, can deal with that one issue in a calm manner. It's the beginning to react in ways that feels unloving and disrespectful, that really is the killer. It's not the issue. Mm. We think it's the issue. And this is where people think if we didn't have the money problems or the sex problems, we'd have a great marriage. No, it's the hostility and contempt you show toward each other when you're talking about the money and the sex that deflates them. And if we don't decode that, then we're going to obviously mislead ourselves into thinking we got to get rid of all these money sex problems before we'll have a great relationship. Mm. And that's a non-sequitur. That doesn't follow. That is
1: so good. <laughs> so
2: that would be one thing. And on your part, Jeremy, you might say, honey, I, I, I need a few minutes here to calm yeah. down. I need to. I, and I, and I, I, I it's not fair to you. This is not fair to you. I'm not asking you to to feel this is fair, but give me 15 minutes and then I will come back for 15 minutes and address this. And, and I and you know, my bent, I do move toward humility if but um, mm-hmm. I need some time. Here. Yes. That would be a beautiful thing. And and then remind each other, I'm not I'm not trying to react in an unloving way here. And I probably shouldn't feel disrespected. But the truth is this feels dishonoring to me. I know you don't you're not motivated that way. You're a good willed woman trying to do the loving thing, but this just I I just I I wish I could walk on water and be perfect like Jesus, but I'm not. That's what I'll say to Sarah sometimes. I wish I was perfect. I wish I was like Jesus, I wish I could walk on water, and I wish I hadn't written my book Love and Respect, which she won't chase me around the house <laughs> without no. saying, what would you say to a husband who was treating I you like love that. the way you're treating me, oh. your right? Yes. Yeah, totally.
1: We hope you guys are loving this conversation with Emerson Egrich as much as we are. We wanted to take a quick break from this episode to read to you guys a review from somebody about our book, A Love Letter Life. We love reading your guys' reviews on Amazon and on social media. And just wanted to take a quick second to share this one. It's from Michaela Elise. She says, less than 24 hours, and this is what I think. I started this book last night and have been reading every spare second I've had. I haven't finished a book in less than 24 hours since before college, and I could not put it down. Every single person needs to read this book. I don't care if you're a wife, a husband, single, not thinking about marriage yet, happy in your marriage, or feel like your marriage is too far gone. This book is for you in caps. This book is written by a couple from both of their perspectives, and it is so enlightening. Their main goal is to point people towards godly, Christ-centered relationships. The book talks about the nitty-gritty things in relationships that may be considered taboo, but that need to be talked about. And they give simple ways to continue to pursue and love each other for the long haul, long after you say I do. I'm sitting at home just waiting for my husband to get home because I'm so excited to share with him what I learned and to have him read it and implement everything this book teaches. Never before have I felt so incredibly passionate about marriage and everything it represents. I so wish I could have read this book when I was 15 years old. It would have saved me so much heartache and confusion. I challenge you to read this book with an open mind and an open heart and see what Christ can do in and through your relationship. And if you're not willing to put your heart under a microscope, maybe you should ask yourself why. Wow. Um, so encouraged by this, Michaela. Thank you for sharing. I hope this is encouraging to you if you're listening and you have not yet grabbed a copy of A Love Letter Life. You can do so anywhere books are sold, or if you're an audiobook listener, you can also download the audio, the Audible version. And it is actually Jeremy and I um, speaking the entire book in the audio in the audiobook. So go grab your copy of A Love Letter Life. We know that it is going to impact you wherever you're at in your love story.
0: Man, I think f- knowledge is, I mean, this is so good. And I think realize, it, first of all, you got to have the conversation with your, like, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and they're going to be going, oh I my God, my, spouse, I, to hear my this. spouse has to listen to this because right. this doesn't work. None of these tactics will work or these boundaries or these 15 minute ploys, you know, uh, unless
2: both are on board.
1: Yeah. Um, well,
2: having said that, and, and let me just, I think there's truth of that. I mean, it would exponentially move forward so much more rapidly if you yeah. agree on the rules of engagement, or as you say, the code of mm-hmm. conduct. Yeah. I, I, one of the points I make, 1 Peter 3, is you can win your your disobedient husband, Through your respectful behavior and this guy hasn't signed yes yes. so peter's very clear in first peter three one and two and hosea was told go win a woman who's an adulteress that was gomer his wife and you go love her unconditional love can win a rebellious woman unconditional respect toward the spirit of man can win so what if a person's listening who says my spouse i I," one of the things that husbands don't respond to well women will more than men this is a gender difference men don't respond well when you hand him a, a marriage book because he hears the message you find me inadequate yes. and you don't respect me and you you expect me to change and be like you are in the mm-hmm. area of the culture of intimacy. That's what he hears. And he'll he'll pull back from that typically. So if a woman's listening, she said, well, I, I want to I, exactly I'm going to go to my husband right now and say you need to listen to what Jeremy and Audrey are saying. You need to listen. Mm-hmm. to this. No, yeah, he's not going yeah. to listen because he hears a message that you're not intending to send with the message yeah. you're intending to send is I want to enrich this relationship. Mm-hmm. I want him to be happy. I want to be happy. But what he's hearing is the reason we're not happy is because you haven't listened to Jeremy and Audrey. Mm.
1: Wow.
2: And you need to get on it, baby, because I was listening. So what we want to do is avoid that scenario. So here's one of the things a woman can do in the event that her husband's clueless on this. Next time you get this heated (laughs) fellowship and you're on this, you now know it's a crazy cycle. Here's what I want to ask the women of courage. Some women say, I need to put on my big girl pants here. Uh, I didn't (laughs) didn't come up with that. A woman said that to me once and I thought, well, that's that's intriguing. I'm not trying to be dismissive. But (laughs) there needs to be a courage to say, when you see a spirit deflate, stop at that moment and say, you know, I think we just entered the crazy cycle. I think he's deflating here. I'm trying to do the loving thing. He, sh- he should know that this disrespectful thing I just said, I didn't mean, because I'll say to women, he, he he should know I didn't, and they'll all in unison say, mean it, because you don't. Mm-hmm. You're trying to connect. You're not trying to uh, throw him under the bus. You he, he, he matters to you more than anybody, and you're threatened. It's really rooted in a fear, not mm-hmm. in a desire to diss him or dishonor him. So I get that. But what you have to then do at that moment as a woman who's listening is say to him, um, did I just say or do something that felt disrespectful to you? Wow. If I, I am so sorry if I did. Now, there are many women who are afraid to do that, mm-hmm. uh, Audrey. And this is where you're going to have to ask the question, do I want the power that, that Emerson is talking about? Do I want this power? Because I'm telling you, there is a power here that's incredible. Just as if a husband who's listening, so what do I do? She's coming at me all the time. Just stop. And because you're feeling dissed, I get it. And you want to just walk off. I get it. And she's not going to read a book that I give to her because she's so mad at me. Okay, all right. Then just stop at that moment where she starts to get a little crazy with you and stop. Wait a minute. I need to say I'm sorry. Obviously, I came across in a way that felt unloving to you. Can you forgive me for that? I'm sorry for that. Now, Audrey, what do you think most women are going to do at that moment?
1: Receive it. Yeah, or look at it as soften. a manipulation. Yeah, it well, depends yeah, if, on the woman.
2: If, yeah, well, he follows it up and says, "Now can we have sex?" No, in fact, that's manipulation. But, but usually,
1: like way. for me, I'm immediately the second that happens, my guard, my walls just fall down immediately. Yeah, like it's, I. Uh,
2: and this is something I've learned over the years. God has hardwired women to immediately let go of that negativity on the heels mm-hmm. of a husband, uh, humbly saying, "I'm sorry. Will you Man, forgive it's-
1: me?" Yeah.
2: Yeah, right? it's, it's the power fastest approach the power. to reconciliation. Here's the analogy I'm trying to give, though. Every woman listening knows that there's a power if a man does that. And I'm saying to the man, do you have the courage to do that? Because she mm-hmm. might say, well, I'm the, you, you don't have one ounce of love in your soul. You know, take the sarcastic hit because here's the deal. What you just did is so powerful. It is too good to be true to her. And she is now frightened that this is just some <laughs> uh, you know, game that you're playing and she's going to test you. So stay the course. But ladies, the course. just yes. as you heard me tell you the power of that in relationship, if a man did it to his wife, I'm asking you to take by faith that if you were to say, Honey, did I just come across in a way that was disrespectful to you? Did I just dishonor you? That wasn't my heart. Help me better understand what I just said. You need to trust me that the power that I just told you that a husband has, if he apologizes, you have a power in just asking the question. Don't ask, was I unloving? He doesn't see you as unloving. Within your nature is a desire to nurture. You love to love at the level of intimacy. But he doesn't think you like him or respect him. And the reason he shuts down isn't because he's trying to be unloving. He thinks you think he's unloving and you don't respect him for it. So Mm -hmm. if you then say to him, please forgive me for coming across disrespectful, I say to women, watch what is about to happen. Wow. You've got to test this out. Watch what is about to happen. Now, for the same reasons. If, if, you've, if he's suspicious, and he could be, but there will usually be a gesture. He isn't going to say, can I write a poem to you right now? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But within the next 24 hours, I say there will be a gesture. Even just asking the question, he may not even lest they respond. Some guys say, thank you. Where's my wife? What did you do with her? There's that. But the faucet under the sink that he hasn't fixed upon numerous requests to do so, he's under the sink fixing it within the next 24 hours there's <laughs> always a gesture but he doesn't bring flowers and one of the things i've done is i've coached thousands of women on this they're always looking for that romantic gesture yeah. on the heels of them doing this and i get it god hardwired you for that because that's what you would do you'd love on him you'd go out and do something special for him if he really apologized like that but he's going to process it differently but i <laughs> always ask a woman after gonna- you did that was there a gesture and they say, well, they yeah, rack their was, brain. Yeah. Well, he did, out, he, or, did he, he wash r- your car? <laughs> he did. That's exactly what he'll he'll say. She he she went out. He went out and washed my car. I found that really odd. Yeah. Yeah, but that's his gesture. Oh. Yeah.
1: That's perfect. I mean, that's so, so classic, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. But,
0: but in the same way, babe, like you, you know, could learn to interpret that as a loving gesture. Right. I could probably learn to, you know what, maybe a poem would do this time. You yeah. Know?
1: <laughs> and cause I think so often I interpret that that gesture that Jeremy is doing as, as him trying to distract himself from like the oh, issue wow. or like yeah. I which, interpret which, it as like, which,
0: babe, which is so good. I'm sorry. I just interrupted you. No, go ahead. <clears> um, But which is so good because what's coming to my brain is like my, I'm an, and we're not going to get into the Enneagram here, but what I am going to say is like, I'm a nine and I tend to retreat and retract. And so Audrey has learned that when I do that, I often go distract myself on something. So for her, it's kind of hard to interpret, well, which is a gesture and which is his coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, Audrey being an eight is, tends to find intimacy through aggression. So, uh, communi- communal communication aggression, you know, where like she wants to like attack and go and dive and go there and yeah. through that
1: classic she, crazy, which cycle. is funny because
0: that <laughs> both those both align with our physiological de- buildup, our yeah. structure, our DNA, but they're heightened because mm-hmm. we're fire and ice, nine and eight. And that's just <laughs> very, very interesting to think that like we're both probably giving gestures to each other at times, but we're, Not we might him be confusing that. them with our. With our coping mechanisms.
1: Yep, that's a good yes. distinction. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's a, it's a I classic.
0: Just, I mean, cla- go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I, I had to get that out because it was on my brain, <laughs> and that's like that's a huge brain
2: open for me right there. But mm. um, well, and I think I, it's it's powerful because it, it we all relate with it, and that really does even move into a gender area. There are men who get verbally aggressive, but it's, it's, it's really, it's more punitive. My dad would go into rage and say, well, Mm. he's very verbal and expressive. Yeah. But when women do it, they're wanting to connect. They're feeling hurt. They're really not trying to hurt. They're not trying, they're not trying to be punitive. They're trying to connect of all odd things. And that's what you said, intimacy through aggression. And men don't, uh, men don't do relationships that way as well. When we're, when we're in conflict, we want to retreat. We want to retract and uh, that's the opposite of what women want to do in in most cases. So then when that happens, how do we how do we know in the answer to your question earlier is he just doing it to distract himself from me yeah. and the relationship versus he's doing something that's a gesture that's loving. Well, it depends on what the what he's doing. If he's out washing your car, then if it's something for you, if it's mm-hmm. serving you in some ways, then yeah, you need to give him the benefit of the doubt on that's that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. But I think at the same time, Jeremy, this is when we retract, we need to help her because part of what uh, is difficult for women, they don't don't know how to interpret this. I mean, it's more difficult for women sometimes to interpret what's going on in a man because we can compartmentalize. I mean, it's difficult when she's coming at us verbally and aggressive, but most men instinctively know she's feeling fearful, she's feeling insecure, she's threatened. Her whole method is what's undermining. If she Hmm. was aggressive by saying, how do I connect with you because you have such strength? I'm feeling vulnerable. I need you. How do I say this in a way that you don't feel dishonored? I need your help right now. I need a huge favor right now. He'll be all over that. Yeah, be aggressive in a different
1: way. It's so good. Yeah.
2: But we do misinterpret each other. And so part of the challenge for a mature couple is to somehow give a clue. And that clue is, I'm not trying to be unloving right now. And I know you're not trying to be disrespectful but I just need to disengage. Give me 15 minutes. Or he said, "Well, right now I I need you far more than than you need distance from me right now. I just please, can you be an honorable man right now and stay at least for 5 minutes just to reassure me because I I really need you right now. I need your strength. And please, can you come toward me a little bit here? Mm-hmm. Somehow uh if if we develop the code of conduct, you talk about a rules of engagement, mm-hmm. uh, then we start practicing it. And we're going to have plenty of opportunity." Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Would you, Emerson, would you recommend to couples that in in the heat of that moment, in conflict, that they actually verbally recognize what's happening? Like, do you tell people, like for Jeremy and I, if we're, if we're getting into conflict, would you say it would be a good thing to bring up, like if I said to Jeremy or if Jeremy said to me, hey, we're on the crazy cycle, you know, like just acknowledging or does oh, yeah. that become... Yes. Oh, no, yes.
2: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, again, if if he's committed adultery with five different women <laughs> and she's and she's uh, selling drugs and wants yeah, to sell the kids for obviously drugs, no. you, you've got a, a culture out there of hatred, bitterness, and whatever. So, I mean, again, the frame of reference mm-hmm. is important. You know, my mom may not have been able to say to my dad when he's in a rage moment, we're on the crazy cycle because he wasn't mm-hmm. going to receive anything at that. Right, time. right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so one has to then uh, kind of use his his or her wisdom on that. But if there's any degree of yeah, goodwill, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 Thirty-three and thirty-four. The husband is concerned about how to please his wife, and the wife is concerned about how to please her husband. Paul, who penned Romans, the great treatise on the total depravity of the human heart, you know, I mean, we are—we need our faith in Christ to uh, merit God's acceptance. We we can't be good enough. But Paul, who penned that, never said, "Hey, you need to tell your spouse they're they're selfish, they're sinister, they're 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 sick, they're sinful, they're stupid," you know, because you you are totally depraved. No, no. Paul is saying, assume the best about your spouse, Hmm. assume their goodwill. Now, if there is, then you have total freedom to say, hey, and many couples have done this. We're about to get on the crazy cycle. Put your seatbelt on. We're going to spin, baby. Or Hmm. some will say, you're looking at this through your blue lenses. Here, put on my pink lenses. Well, no, you're looking at it through your pink. Here's my blue. Well, put my blue hearing aids in. You can't hear a thing with those pink. (laughs) You know, there is this. Well, I'm trying to say this through my pink megaphone. Well, say it through your blue one. I can't hear you. You know, yeah. and they will be humorous. Usually somebody is has a little bit of humor, not sarcasm, but a little humor. We're about to spin on the crazy cycle. Do we want to do that? And uh, sometimes Sarah and I will say, yes, we do. We want to be immature right now. And we're going to spin for three times. You know, we'll actually say that. Yeah. Because we don't want to put the standard on us mm-hmm. of being perfect. So yeah. we'll say we're going to spin. But you contain that spin. You know, there is this line mm-hmm. over which you don't go. You know, and that's, that's where it. my dad made the mistake. You, you know, when we talk about gestures, there were a lot of coarse gestures. You know, there is this line that some couples have got to make a renewed commitment in their own spirit. You know what? Yes. I get really mean. I, there's malice. There's contempt. There's hostility. And I will say very clearly, this is what the University of Washington discovered. When there's hostility and contempt in your spirit toward the heart of your spouse, you're going to kill your relationship.
1: Hmm.
2: Not on one occasion, but I'm talking about a chronic. Every time we get into a conflict, you look at him with contempt. And every time you look at her with hostility. And if you do that every time, you're going to destroy a relationship because mm-hmm. God did not hardwire your wife to be treated with hostility, hatred, and harshness. And God did not hardwire your husband to feel that you despise who he is and find him despicable as a human being. Wow. That's so... Yeah. Wow.
0: That's great. And breaking, I mean, if you are finding yourself in that position where you're kind of, uh, your, your pattern and your rhythm and your habit is bent with that, you know, breaking that is extremely difficult.
1: Yeah. And I think just having a healthy conversation, you know, if you're listening right now, this is what came to my mind. If you're listening right now and you're, you're thinking that you're on this cycle or you, you know, don't have healthy ways of handling conflict in your marriage relationship or dating relationship or whatever, setting aside a time to talk about how you handle conflict outside of the conflict, like outside of the emotional heat of the moment, you know, don't don't pick that as the time to address, see, you're doing this and I'm doing that. And that's probably not the most productive time to have that conversation. But if you're both like, you know in a good state of mind if you're both outside of that emotional heat of the moment you're not actually experiencing conflict and you just set aside a time, a time to talk about how like we say in our book our code of conflict how you are going to have rules for engagement and what your own boundaries are going to be like i feel like that would be a very
2: yeah helpful thing right yeah no that's good babe oh um, absolutely and i think um to trail on that and to there within we all have to come to to a point of understanding our default mode and mm-hmm. my yes. default mode is sarah if you were respectful i wouldn't be unloving it's as simple as that in fact <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. sarah says to me, well if you were loving i wouldn't be disrespectful it's as simple as that so what we do is we justify our own reactions by blaming them mm-hmm. and so this is the proclivity of the human heart to place blame to justify mm-hmm. myself and and doing so by blaming Sarah and Sarah blames me. And, and can I just point out that that never works? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, but we all have that tendency and those who are listening right now, well, I wouldn't be a disrespectful wife if he loved me. Well, mm-hmm. duh, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. So then what we do is we point out all the things he's doing. That's unloving so that he'll motivate me to be more respectful, but mm-hmm. that's not going to work long-term that gives totally. him all the power. That gives him all the power. So what we have to do is say, would it really be true that if I became a dignified woman who delivers my message respectfully over the next several months, that if my husband has goodwill, he will soften and he will move toward me to connect. And that even though there will be moments where we have our heated fellowship because we all have bad hair days, no one's perfect over the course of the relationship. Will it basically be a good friendship, a friendly relationship, and that we can share with each other 80% of the time in a very healing and whole way that there is just a a measure of joy in the relationship because we know how to do this? And my point is, yes, if she does this over that period of time, it will work. And if he does his part, it will work. It only takes one really to tangle here. You can really influence. That's what the Word of God is teaching. That's what the best research is teaching. But what I have in my heart is a desire for Sarah to change because it just makes it so much easier for me. Mm -hmm. But what we both came to was where we said, look, my response is my responsibility.
1: Yes, I remember that from the conference. Highlight, underline.
2: And that's one of our code of conduct. My response is my responsibility. Sarah doesn't Mm -hmm. cause me to be the way I am. She reveals the way I am. Therefore, if my response is unloving, that's my issue. Mm
1: -hmm. And if she
2: responds or reacts in a disrespectful way, that's her issue. And we've locked into that. We fail. But what I want to say to Sarah is, look, honey, my response is your responsibility and your response is your responsibility. That's what I want to say, because I know that when she is responsible for me and responsible for herself, I'm happy. Now, we all should be laughing at this because it's so ridiculous right. as a, so as a, a marital world view, but that's how we live because bias research points out that we, we favor ourselves. The reason I have a rotten disposition today is because of Sarah. The reason that Sarah has a rotten disposition today is because yeah. she has a rotten disposition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You no, see how we do this? Are you getting away? So yes. yeah, so, no, yeah. The mature person then has to come to that point and not being afraid of stop pointing a finger. Yes, they're hurting you, and they could be 90% guilty, but I believe when I own up to my 10%, it's amazing how it begins to influence their 90%. It really does. I will tell you this. You can't be unloving toward your wife to motivate her to show you respect, and you can't be disrespectful as a way of motivating your husband to love on you. Now, You you say, well, if what if I'm honoring to him to tell him that he's unloving? Well, that could work. What if I'm respectful and honoring? What if I'm loving and telling? Yeah, I I get that. But a better way would be to own up to your side first. Take that for a while. Mm -hmm. What did I say or do here that felt disrespectful to you? What did I say or do that felt unloving to you? Help me, coach me. And -hmm. then get ready for the sarcasm. You know, you don't know how to do this. You've just been reading another book. Get ready for the sarcasm. Get ready for that pushback because it's really too good to be true. And it may be too good to be true. This is not a formula. Some have written me, so I'll try your theory, Emerson. I'll try this one. No, 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 no. This is talking about meeting another person's deepest need. This isn't a formula to somehow get them to jump through hoops. But given that we have sincerity, stay with us and watch what happens. We have seen thousands of couples focus on the family, spend $50,000 to survey the effects of love and respect on couples. And this works because one- it's a simple message. It's not hard. It's only two concepts. And you only have to really remember your side of the equation, which is <laughs> one thing. But also, and here's the point I want to come back to that you were saying, Audrey, when you have that conversation about how to have conversations, when there isn't that negative emotion that we are right. more objective, it's men will and women say, I've tried to have that conversation with him, but he won't have it with him. That's because you're only speaking your mother tongue. It's Hmm. your side, and it's not that you're mean-spirited, no one's coached you, that men respond to the respect talk. They respond Mm -hmm. to the honor thing. So when you have this conversation about having conversation, you might say to him, can we talk for 15 minutes about how I can converse with you in a way that doesn't dishonor you, that doesn't diss you? Because I find sometimes I have this negative, my eyes, my face turns sour, my eyes darken, my hand on the hips, the scolding finger, the sigh, the roll in the eyes, the head goes back. And and I I, I speak (laughs) these words of disrespect. (laughs) They just roll off my lips. How do I do this differently? I'm gonna yeah. tell you, every man's gonna say, When can I sign up for that conversation? Right, that yes. approach. Yes.
1: Absolutely. That's so good.
2: That's so good.
0: And yeah, I'm here in perspective. Like our perspective has to be, you know, shifted a little bit. And also in those moments of going off of everything Emerson just said, but also, babe, your point of those times where we're not heated. Mm-hmm. I think you know, part of our whole book is encouraging people to be more uh intentional and creative. And in those times, like, we should be planning and designing moments of encouragement and gratitude and thankfulness uh, because a lot of the talk we're having right now is all responsive. Yeah. Um, or uh, in, instead of uh, proactive, rather.
1: Yeah, preventative. Preventative. Right.
0: You know, because uh, a lot of arguments is either a response to lack of preventative gestures or proactive gestures, or it's a response to a specific gesture. Um, or action, you know, mm-hmm. and so like, you know, we try to encourage people. Hey, b- you got to build up this reservoir when you can, because when you're in the heat of the moment,
1: yeah, you need you as much count on that. You
0: need as much help level. as possible, uh, and as much built up love and affection toward one another. And so, if we're not being proactive on the day to day in moments of of uh, peace, you know, then um, then obviously the conflict's going to be a little bit
2: rougher. Right. No, that's brilliant, Jeremy. Brilliant. And I, I talk about we've got to make deposits, so yeah. when we make yes. withdrawals, we don't bankrupt the relationship. Yes, that's exactly well said, yeah. Emerson. Yeah. That's the wisdom there. And we but like the, it's so, the book, go ahead, so. Go ahead. I was just going to say the book "Love and Respect" that I wrote starts with a crazy cycle. That's that reactionary. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what you're talking about, and it, it's it's reactionary. It's getting in tune with our default. And that's really where it starts. That's where we get discouraged the most because we get on that crazy cycle. Yep. But as I say, you can't just always think about what you're not going to do. You've got to also think about what you're going to do that is proactive and positive. Yeah. And that's the energizing cycle, which says his love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. And it raises the question that we answer in the book. What does love feel like to a wife? And what does Mm, respect look like and feel like to a husband? And we unpack that because if you start doing that proactive thing, to your point, Jeremy, then there is going to be an allowance at times that isn't going to bankrupt the relationship when we have that bad moment. And this is exactly the problem in in the literature, academic literature, you have most couples are what we call avoidant. You know, they avoid mm-hmm. conflict. There are the mm-hmm. volatile couples, not violent, but volatile. It's the Italian. They scream, yell, but they don't hit each other. They just get yeah. wild with each other. But that emotionality is there. But most couples are avoidant. So they're not that they don't have the conflict. So they're not making a lot of withdrawals, but because they're not making the deposits, there comes that moment when they do make a withdrawal and they haven't done what you said, made sufficient deposits. And it does really just rock their relationship because they haven't yes. developed that commitment to do the more positive things that you're referring to.
1: Yeah, we're just nodding our heads yes. like over and over. <laughs> it, if you could see it. And
2: yeah. it's so funny, like we've been talking about the
0: crazy cycle a lot here. And I mean, Oj and I, we try to be pretty, uh, we, we really try to do this with our book. The world does not need another highlight reel. So as much as we want to like inspire people, we also want to bring them through the realities of our journey. And I mean, just hearing you talk Emerson, like we get on the crazy cycle all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. And it's, this has been a really, really good amazing, refreshing wake up call as to the reality of kind of physiologically, who am I and who are you and the conversations we need to have. Yeah, And, uh, I think a lot of people listening are nodding their heads. Like I need to have a conversation about this. This is, these are some really, really good tools for the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Well, we got time for a couple more questions, maybe one or two. I did want to ask you Emerson, uh, or we wanted to ask you rather with all of the work you do and, um, you research know, and people you talk research to research and people all the you time. talk to what would you say or what's the, the your analysis on the number one threat to current modern
2: day love stories well i believe that people have a natural compelling desire to be in an intimate relationship i mean i i think you know that is a given so i think the idea that uh marriage is outdated, you know, the, the idea of the formal marriage within the church. We know the secular culture has some real hesitancies, but I think even you referenced earlier, there's kind of maybe a trend back toward another direction, but we all would agree mm-hmm. that people want to be in an intimate relationship with one person. There's something that's hardwired within us that longs for that. Yes. And I think the thing that my campaign has been, two people do not get together because they have ill will toward one another. They get together because they trust each other. They, there is that goodwill toward each other. So my, one of my major missions is I believe people start to get derailed over an honest misunderstanding. It yeah. is an honest misunderstanding. There is no ill will. There's no dishonesty. I mean, we know people out there who are liars and cheats and, and thieves and that kind of thing. But I, I'm but talking by about and large. Gen- yeah, yeah, by and large, everyone's goodwilled. And they are wanting to make a go of this relationship, but they frustrate each other and they get hurt and they get confused. And my campaign is there is a knowledge and a skill and it does, it's not a lot of knowledge and you don't need a great uh, amount of skill. But as you point, you put certain tools on your belt. I like that phraseology that if you get, a little bit of knowledge that we've been talking about today and a few little skills, you're going to be okay, particularly with my system, because we're talking about doing one thing. You're not going to be too far off. And everyone would agree this. If a man simply were to ask himself, if, if that is that which I'm about to do or say going to feel loving to my wife or not? And if I can't answer that personally, do I have the courage to ask her if I were to do it this way, would that feel loving to you or unloving? Mm-hmm. I mean, gentlemen, if, if you, you don't have to get a, a PhD if you were to ask that question of yourself, and if you didn't have the answer to it yourself, you asked your wife, I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to have a happy relationship. Mm-hmm. A, yes. Given that you responded to what was instinctively the loving thing to do, and or if it, you didn't know, she said, here's what you could do, and you did it, you, you're going to be okay. And so, two ladies, if you were to ask, is that what I'm about to do or say going to feel respectful to my husband? I'm not talking about him deserving it. I'm talking about, am I sending a message of contempt toward who he is as a human being, and do I really want to do that? And if I don't know what that looks like, am I willing to ask him how I can say this in a way that sounds more respectful? How can I share the hurt of my heart without him thinking my motive is to put him down? Yeah. If, if you're willing to ask those two questions, you're going to, I think, get some knowledge. And I think over time you'll develop some skills. And the encouraging thing is you don't have to feel like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing. It really comes down to as simple as this. God gave this message in Ephesians 5.33 that is a summary to the greatest treatise in the New Testament on marriage. And here it is, husbands love your wives Mm -hmm. and wives respect your husbands. And that applies Mm -hmm. to a, a person in a tribal group in a jungle that just has learned the scriptures. It applies to them as they live in a tree in the jungle. It applies to someone who is at Harvard University, or I get, we did our podcast and a professor from, two professors from Stanford have written me, you know, it doesn't make any difference your, your, your acumen, Mm -hmm. the intellectual genius, or whether you're living in a tribe. If you apply love and respect, if you apply it, in fact, they did an interview on a tribal woman and they knew the, the language and asked her at the end of the day kind of thing, what do you want from your husband? And it was translated, I want him to love me. <laughs> wow. And so this is instinctive wow. within the nature of individuals. And mm-hmm. if you just simply ask those two questions, you're going to be okay because you are going to have these honest misunderstandings and when they happen, don't let it get out of control. That's where my mom and dad made the mistake because they didn't understand what was mm-hmm. going on early on. Yeah. Wow. It's
1: so, it's so good. Everything. Emerson, so
0: good. this was fantastic and I know Audrey and I and everyone listening yeah. uh, are so, so thankful for yeah. people like you that dedicate a life's work to mm-hmm. helping us really navigate this process, this collision of two, of two units coming together and the battle for oneness. Like right. it's, a, it's a process and uh, it's a lifelong journey to figure that out. And so we're so thankful for people like you that um, are dedicating life's work toward this and taking the time to come on our our podcast. And yeah. We're so Uh, grateful. I know everyone listening. We absolutely love what you're doing. Love the book. Yeah. Um, Go get
1: Love and Respect if you haven't. Emerson, you have some other books, though, too. Yeah.
2: yeah. What are some other books you have or projects? Well, we have a workbook with that as well. I wanted to create a Cadillac BMW workbook with the Love and Respect (laughs) book, so it goes into depth, those who want to go even deeper with that. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, the book is very, very exciting. We have The Language of Love and Respect, which was a sequel with a workbook, Um, and then We have uh, several others. One, mothers began to write me about their sons. You think this applies to my son? And then they would apply Mm -hmm. it and they couldn't believe the connection they were having with their boy. So I've got a book called Mother and Son, The Respect Effect. And uh, very excited about the results of that. And of course, we referenced earlier the family book that my children endorse. They were adults and they spoke back into it. And the things that I thought I did well, they thought I didn't do well. And the things I thought I blew, they didn't remember those, and so I we were very word. transparent about that and the mistakes <laughs> so we made. And yet, there are principles that uh, govern the way in which we parented. and And David, who had the most difficulty with my parenting, at a certain point in his life, said, "Dad, all my friends need to get your book on the family. They don't know what they're doing." <laughs> oh, that's and amazing! So, you know, we've been oh, very excited cool. about their belief yeah. in this message.
1: Yeah, that's so. Amazing. Those are some
2: of the books. Okay, I, you know, and uh, I would love. And you've got a audience. podcast. Yeah. Also, yeah. So let us know where can people find you? Um, yeah. Where what's the best place you, for people to connect with where you? Where are you on the internet? Yeah. No, thank you so much. It's all spelled out. Loveandrespect.com. loveandrespec <laughs> com. And there, when you go there, you'll see the menu. We, uh, Jonathan, my son, as I reference, is a is a clinical psychologist. We've got a podcast. We did 125 podcasts with 2.8 million downloads of that. Awesome. We've got uh, the resources are out there. The Instagram, we've got almost almost three million, two and a half million followers on Facebook. Wow. So uh, we have uh, the social media. We have free content. If they go to the love and a pop up that irritates them will come up and they can <laughs> say no to it. Yeah. But the pop up is called the 15 day plan. And I go through seven things they can do as an individual. You don't Need your spouse. In fact, oh, it's really more exciting not to have your spouse and watch what happens. That's cool. It's a 15 yeah, 15-day plan, and you can sign up. It's free. All you have to do is give the email, and then I would uh, love to respond to you. And if you don't like me, you can just delete us. That's amazing. Okay, <laughs> that's
1: awesome. So good. Well, well, thank you again, Emerson. This yes. has been great, and we can't wait to connect again. Hopefully, sometime soon in the future. We, future, I definitely will have you back on at some point
0: and dive a little bit more poignant into a couple. A couple topics we discussed, but uh, this was so good. I know it's going to be immense value for our listeners
2: and everyone. So again, thank you for coming on. Let's do it again. I'm a, I'm a, I'm game. This has been fun for me, and I love your book. And those of you who just joined in, a love letter life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for thank you, Emerson. <laughs> Honestly, that's such an honor. So, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll be in
0: touch. We'll talk soon. God bless. Bye bye. Wow, what an honor to have emerson egrich on the podcast uh a man with so much wisdom and so much experience and um good things to say um you're so excited um, to have him on
1: it was such an honor just I, because I, he's such an expert when yeah, it comes I to marriage i felt like half
0: the time my brain is just <laughs> you know in a good way throbbing with just yes. value he brought a lot of value and i hope you guys felt that value um with his words as well so that was really awesome. That being said, uh, we wanted to end this podcast with two more quick reviews about A Love Letter Life. And it was such an honor to have, uh, you know, Emerson, first of all, read our book, but second, yeah. say he really enjoyed it. And not yeah. only that, he was impressed. That like, yeah. <laughs> that is, that, I'm beside myself. That's an honor. So uh, that being said, here's two more uh, quick reviews from Amazon. I'm going to read one by Jade P., This book, this is a book that is so needed for our generation. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect, but this book is not just a sweet and timeless love story, but a narrative chock full of scripturally sound truths and principles and a practical guide to love your significant other wholly and purely. Audrey and Jeremy tackled some hard stuff in this book, but they did it with so much grace and genuine love for their readers and fans. I'm keeping this one in mind for my children to read as they grow and mature thanks for being a light in a dark place and during dark times guys, you have me renewed. you have renewed a hope in me for the beauty and pursuit of real love for today and for future generations.
1: And then this one is from TC Goins. I'm 43 and have been married almost 24 years. We have five daughters. I read your book today. I could not put it down. It was written so beautifully and was literally like sitting across from you guys, hearing you tell your love story. I so appreciate the honesty and the rawness. I've tried raising my daughters with the same transparency and it's so good to see young people grasp the importance of it. As I type this, my middle daughter and her boyfriend are on the couch reading your book together. They too cannot put it down down. I will be ordering several copies and passing them out to all the special couples in my life. Thank you so much for writing your beautiful story and sharing with us. Thank you guys so much for these reviews. Uh, We read them and we are just so encouraged by them, but not only us, so many of you guys are encouraged by reading other people's reviews and it's really just created a community around this book and it's just been so cool to see. So thank you guys for taking the time to share, post and write a review. Um, If you have read the book and you haven't yet, Written a review on Amazon, please go take a second to do that. It's just, it's really encouraging. So,
0: and we're going to start sharing uh, some more on the podcast here because people are are enjoying them. And the book is still fifty five percent off on Amazon for twelve dollars. So twelve
1: dollar book, twelve dollar
0: (laughs) book. Go grab a copy. Um, Wow. Well, we appreciate you guys. Thank you, and uh, hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, As always, uh, share it. We buy five of you coffee, and we will see you in a couple days.
1: Bye, guys.